0: Not only half the church are at Raglan Farm, the other half on holiday. So who are you? Okay, just kidding. Fantastic. Well, we are the church indeed. But no, we pray. We normally pray for people away, just for their well-being and everything. And so, good to be here this morning. Amen? Well, we've been blessed over the last four weeks uh, as we went through the series uh, on living victoriously. How many of you really... Believe it. There was an impartation, you know. Okay. Wow. Someone sent me something. I so, should not meant for this Sunday, but there you go. Thank you. <laughs> Bless you, Andrew. So I'm supposed to kind of bring it together today, summarize what we've heard, learned, received over the last uh, couple of weeks. You know, April started off. By the whole concept of being consecrated. Being willing to be made be willing. or However you put that. Amen. To allow the Holy Spirit to bring us to a place where we say, not my will, but yours be done. To Have all of me. And remember the title of this series is living victoriously. And and quite ironically, the whole concept of victory begins with us saying, we're yours Lord. The more we give of ourselves to Him, the more of His victory we can see manifest in our lives. And so it started with consecration. Then Stuart came in a week after that, and he brought in the whole powerful element of intimacy. Because that's another building block. That's the foundation in us seeing the goodness of God in our lives. You have consecration, you've got intimacy, and then last Sunday, Phil spoke about our wills. And you realize that as we journey on seeing God's blessings in our lives, we're realizing more and more it's us giving ourselves to Him. How amazing that is. You know, we may have thought, let's bring our pens with about, you know, get about 15 keys to to seeing success. But it all boils down to saying, Lord, the more I can give you myself, the more I can see your glory. Your power manifest in my life. And that's exactly what I want to share this morning. Kind of bring it all together. And I want to actually leave you with three statements. Three statements. And I pray as you simply hear these three statements, it will be revelation to you. Because we know the Bible says, man shall not live by bread alone, but every revelation that proceeds from the mouth of God. Every word that we hear and becomes life to us brings transformation. Three things. Over the years, you know, as the Bible says, work out your salvation. And as I've been working out, working out simply means unpackaging, understanding this great work that God has done in our life. Because on day one, we make a decision to following Jesus. But if we realize there's so much attached to it, so much of blessing, so much of, you know, wonderful adventures and mysteries to unpackage. And as we work out our salvation, the Lord teaches us a few things. And over the years, the Lord taught me a few things about what it means living in victory. And for me, it boiled down to three key statements. And we can go home after I mention those three statements. But of course, because Sunday morning, you want a little bit more, I'll just say a few words around those three statements. But honestly, those three statements are enough. Not just hearing it, but letting them become revelation deep inside of us. Of course, it's interesting to also, before I go into those three statements, is to ask ourselves, what does victory actually mean? You know, that's important to understand. (laughs) Because we can talk of victory and each of us will have a different understanding of what victory needs to look like. You with me? So I thought maybe just give a few, a little bit of definition to what are we talking about when we say living in victory. And I thought for a minute, let me open it up To all of us here this morning, what do you think living in victory means? Come on, shout out a few answers. Living in victory. Overcome. Fantastic. What else? Being free. Love. Fantastic. Awareness of His presence. Wonderful. Wonderful. Yes. Yeah. It means living victoriously. Wonderful. What else? Someone said something here. Living in the will of God. Contentment. Not being defeated. Trust. Faith. Wow. Get up when you get knocked down. Enjoy the life that God has given us. Wonderful. And it's all this that makes and puts together a definition of what living victoriously means for a Christian. Because if you put the same question to someone in the world, they may have a different concept of what victory looks like. But for a Christian, it means... I, I, I tried to get a very concise uh, definition, which is hard to find these days. But I looked at GodQuestions.org. Anyone checks that website? It's a good website. It gives you a little bit of... So this is what they say victorious Christian life is all about. They say the victorious Christian life is a life lived in triumph over everything in the world. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. So that's one part. And we all know where where there is all these things of the world, it quenches our ability to enjoy the good life God came to give us. Lust of the eye, lust of the flesh, pride of life... Bondages, sins, all these different things. Darkness takes away the joy of the victorious life. And so they put the first statement down by saying, it's a life lived in triumph over everything in the world. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes and the pride of life. 1 John 2, 16. It is also the conquering of fear. Knowing God's peace. The world needs peace. And as children of God living in the victorious life, We have peace. And as someone put out their third statement, it is the perseverance through trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword, showing us to be more than conquerors through Christ who loved us. In other words, even in the midst of the trials and the tribulations, and we will talk about that this morning, Beulah and I, that trials and tribulations are part of the journey. You know, it's not eradicating trials and tribulations, but having the peace of God even in the midst of them. Being victorious even in the midst of the trials. And that's what the world does not have. And that's what we understand victory is that even if I go through the trial, even if I go through the battle, the battle doesn't get the better of me, I'm still victorious. I still know how to live above it. The joy of the Lord is still my strength. I still have hope. I still know I have my answer, even though I'm in the midst of The pit. And then they go on to say, the victorious Christian life ultimately leads to the defeat of death itself and a glorious reward in heaven. Hey, that's the icing on the cake. (laughs) So when we talk of victorious Christian living, it's not just going through our lives here on earth. The fact is that we've got eternity. I think that's the greatest celebration any human being on planet earth can have is that when we close our eyes on earth, We have eternity. And so that is amazing when we define the victorious Christian life. It's so much more than just having a few prayers answered. It's having that unchanged, unquenchable peace, love, joy, spirit of a conqueror in the midst of all that we face. Knowing at the end of it, we have eternity. And of course, I threw in one more thing. This is my definition. I put down in one word, victory equals favor because that's something i've learned to live now under for many many years the favor of god how many of you in the favor of god has no explanation wow how did you do that lord and understanding that victory also means living under the favor of god where doors that were meant to be shut suddenly open and you have no clue how did that happen when you have no provision and suddenly the Lord makes a supernatural provision and you say, how did that happen? That's the favor of God. When, when, when you hear a report that says that's the end of your world, that's, there's no more hope left, and suddenly something happens that changes the status quo completely around, that is the favor of God. That is victorious Christian living. Where we live in an, a, a realm of the Spirit where earthly equations don't matter. Where the books don't add up, where it doesn't matter. Where the reports don't say what they have to say doesn't matter because we're suddenly living in the realm of the favor of God. That has no explanation. And so the victorious Christian living has so much. And so, three things, and we're going to close with that. For me, that explains victory. And if there's a slide, we can put on the first one. Very simply, victory is a gift. Let this today be revelation. Simple statements, but something very deep if we can grasp it in our spirits. Victory is a gift. In fact, I know, I now know why this was here. It was not meant to be this year, but picture a gift. Victory is packaged in this box. It's a gift like salvation. How many of you understand that we cannot earn our salvation Whatever we do, we cannot get salvation. It's a gift. Unless Jesus came and died and unless God presented to us salvation, we could not have salvation. In the same way, victory is a gift. However much we try, we can only scratch the surface and have a few things happen in our life. But if we are talking about living in a realm of the favor of God, it's a whole different level altogether, and that is why it is a gift. That's how I've come to understand over the years of doing different things and, you know, putting a lot of things in place. I recognize simply, number one, victory that we can live in as Christians, just as it is my like with my salvation, victory is also a gift. Number one. The second one is very important. Out of all the three points, for me, this is a biggie. Victory is a choice. Victory is a choice. I can get up in the morning and I can have two paths ahead of me. A path of defeat. I'm in the midst of a crisis. I'm feeling absolutely horrible this morning. I have no, nothing to celebrate about. And I can choose to walk in defeat that morning or I can choose victory. If that makes sense. This has to be a revelation for, for, for us. Because we, if, we real, if we think that our victory depends on our circumstances, then for the rest of our life, you will be amazed to know there's always circumstances. Circumstances. All of us, including myself as the pastor, when I get up in the morning, I have as many challenges as anyone else in the world. But I have a choice to make whether I want to pick the gift, the free gift of victory that Jesus came to give me, as much as my salvation was a free gift and I had to choose it. Either I choose victory or I don't choose it. Does that make sense? Like I said, it's a a choice. It's a choice. A lot of people think me feeling good about my life is my circumstances. If everything adds up, yes, I'm going to have a victorious day today. If everything doesn't add up, I'm going to have a bad day today. And over the years, like I said, as I worked out my salvation, I realized victory, like my salvation, was a choice. I could choose if I wanted to tap in, to the victory that Jesus came to give me or I just care sera, sera let life choose for me whether I live in victory or I live in defeat and for a number of years I thought that was the way it worked my life dictated how I felt my life dictated the outcome of my day, my life dictated what the end result was going to look like till I realized victory was a gift but as much as it was a gift, victory was also a choice And if you recognize the Bible, it works with a lot of choices. I put down a few. Heaven and hell is a choice. I can choose whether I want to go to heaven or I want to go to hell. The Bible says death and life are in the power of my tongue. Who makes the decision? Me. It's a choice. We can blame people for how we feel. We can blame circumstances for how we feel. Listen, the ball is in our court, end of the day. I choose whether I want to live in victory irrespective of what happens around me, irrespective of what people do to me, irrespective of what people say to me, I can still be victorious. If I choose the free gift of victory that Jesus came to give me. I said, faith and fear... Are options to choose from faith and fear are options to choose from. I always, ha- you know, I learned this early in my, in my journey faith is a choice, not a feeling. Faith is a choice. I choose to trust God in the midst of my trial. Not that I feel, if I go by my feelings, we won't feel it all the time. We know that, we're all in that, but I can choose. In that moment of time, what do I want to feel? (laughs) I want to feel faith. Why do I want to feel faith? Because he is faithful. Because he can be trusted. Because he is a good God. Because the Bible says so. Because my past has indicated that he has always come through. May not be in a way that I wanted to see it happen, but he's never failed me. I can choose faith over fear. And in the same way, I can choose to stay in a cycle of defeat or I can choose to operate in the victory that Jesus came to offer me. With me this morning, so far. So victory is a gift. It's a gift. It's a gift. Unbelievable gift. None of us could earn our victories on our own strength. It's because of what Jesus did. They overcame by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. Jesus came to give us the gift of salvation and also the gift of victory. That's why he says, the devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come that you may have not just an ordinary life, but an abundant life. Who said that? Jesus. He came to give us a gift of abundant life. But just as I said, salvation is a choice. That free gift of eternity and the free gift of abundant life is my choice. But now I'm going to tie it all up with the third statement. After a coffee break. Just kidding. It's like the commercials on TV. They may make you want to come back. In fact, I heard one of the churches that the, I actually know the pastor of. They have a coffee break between, in, in the middle of the service. I don't even know how that works. But anyway, that was your commercial break right now. Number three, victory operates through grafting. Now that's a term that not all of us might connect with. But if you're a gardener, anyone has green fingers? A lot of people understand what grafting is all about. Grafting. Hayden, do you know what grafting is? There you go. So he's an elder, he's intelligent. It's amazing. You can take a little piece of a plant, graft it into another plant that's in the soil. I wish I put some pictures up. I didn't have the time to do that. They kind of tape it together or tie it together. And presto, after a few weeks, what happens? That little twig that would have died if it was left in isolation, has suddenly become part of the plant. Anyone seen that? We've all seen that. In fact, it's amazing how God's put this whole concept of life, even in nature. I've said this again and again because it fascinates me. You know, you can even some, some plants, you can cut a leaf into four or five bits and plant the leaf into soil that's rich. And lo and behold, after a few weeks, That little piece of leaf yes, becomes a plant again. There's something about grafting that makes all the difference between life and death. There's something about grafting that makes the difference between life and death. There's something about grafting that makes the difference between a defeated lifestyle and a victorious lifestyle grafting, grafting, not trying to make something happen, grafting. And we've been building on that the last couple of weeks on this series, grafting into the presence of God, grafting into the will of God, grafting into a lifestyle with God. That is the difference. And I'm going to build a little bit on this. Now, there's two interesting passages I want to read this morning. The first one is Psalm 1, verses 1 to 3, and it's put on the uh, screens over there. It says, b- very well known, blessed is the man who does not walk in the step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. In other words, he's talking about two different graftings two different graftings either i'm grafted day and night into the systems of the world into the philosophies of the world into the mindset of the world into the practices of the world or day and night i graft myself into god i graft myself into god two verse one gives us one and verse two gives us two possibilities Of what grafting can look like. That's why I said victory is a choice. (laughs) Victory is not circumstantial. Victory is a choice. How I feel doesn't necessarily have to depend on my circumstances. It's who I am grafted into. If I am grafted into what verse 2 says. God and his life. His Zoe life, as the Bible says, look at what says verse 3. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season. In other words, there's seasons for everything. And in season, if, I, if I'm doing it day and night, though I may not see the answer right now, in the right time, I will see what I have to see. You with me? But in order for me, in season, To produce fruit, day and night, I have to be grafted into the things of God. Into Him. And says, and whose leaf does not wither, whatever they do, prospers. Whatever they do. Hey, who wrote this? Holy Spirit. Inspired people. People. To write the word of God. And it's beautiful to see the contrast. It says that person whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night, that person is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season, whose leaf does not wither. Think of the grafting, that leaf. If that leaf was left on its own, that piece of leaf would die. But because a leaf was put into soil that was rich and fertile, it produced fruit. And whatever they do, prospers. As we heard, uh, it's not just a separation from the world, as verse one was saying, verse two was saying, a separation into something else. A grafting. So I'm actually summarizing what we've heard in the last three sessions. It's a separating from something but you can't just separate from something and stay in no man's land because it's difficult in order for us to thrive we've got to be grafted somewhere and we know the life-giving source of God is the rich soil in which we can thrive and prosper a separation unto the Lord and what is also interesting when we begin to separate unto the Lord, we begin to have our own unique identity as children of God. Identity, very important. Our identity is God himself. Because the plant takes on the nature of what it is grafted into. Our identity, in fact, I put down here, like never before, God is challenging his church to stand in her identity. As that verse says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. We are not, we shouldn't be ashamed of our identity. Those days are far gone. Not fearful of being identified as Christian, not fearful of being, you know, called that hey, there's a Christian. You know, in the good old days, sometimes people would feel a bit embarrassed just to say, I'm a Christian. Listen, that God is saying your identity as a Christian is paramount. That's who you are. In fact, the world needs to see. Stand out Christians, not blend in ones, you know what I mean, under the radar. Stand out, not ashamed, afraid, I'm proud to be a child of God, in the nicest way, if you know, for lack of a better phrase. And there's a second verse I want to put up there, John 15, verses 5 to 7, look at that. It says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Did you know you were a branch? branches he who abides in me and i in him we're talking of grafting right now again we're talking about the victorious christian life we're talking about being successful victorious even in the midst of the storms not only is it a gift not only is it a choice this is the choice grafting read the verse in its entirety he who abides in me and i in him bears much fruit For without me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me. Do you see the word if there? There's a word if. 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 Was it John? No, who mentioned about the conditional love of God? Was it Mark Tolman? And we mentioned that when we were speaking. If. Choice. How many of you know if is a choice? If you choose this, then this will happen. If you do not choose this, then we cannot say, why am I feeling miserable all the time? Ball is not in God's court. Ball is not in our friend's court. Ball is in our court. If anyone does not abide in me, of course, he's cast out as a branch and is withered and they gather them. And just a metaphor of how and the regular you know plant life works and throw them into the fire and they are burned but look at verse 7 if you abide in me and my words abide in you you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you beautiful words isn't it beautiful words if 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 three statements this morning Victory is a gift. Think about it. All of us sitting here this morning can have access to victory. All of us. Isn't that good news? Some of us think only some of us have, only the pastors, the leaders, people who've got it all together, only they have victory. No, this morning the good news is everybody has access to the gift of victory. However, It has to be a choice, not just a one-off choice like our salvation. It's a one-off, but we unpackage it as we go along. With one with one sacrifice, Hebrew says he is forever perfected, those who are being made perfect. So there's the positional standing, but there's also the outworking. And so positionally, I have the gift, but then it's a choice of me walking in it, accepting it, embracing it, living in it. And the key is the third one. In order for me to enjoy victory, in our definition, not the world's definition, our definition says you will have trials, you will have testings, but in the midst of that, you will still be an overcomer. You will still be more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. The key to that is grafting. Not just the one-off, Positionally, but an everyday outworking day and night being grafted to the source. And that's what we heard the first three sessions of Victorious Living. Intimacy, consecration, not my will, yours be done. And if we can stay in that place, listen, victory is ours. <laughs> victory is is ours. No weapon formed against us will prosper. The devil will try something but God can turn the tables around and what the enemy planned for evil, he can turn it around for good. Your disaster can become a testimony. Your trial can become a miracle because that is the uh, uh, ability of God to take anything we go through Anything. That's why he says, not one hair from your head will fall without my knowledge. Not one hair from our heads will fall. Who said that? God said that. Not one hair. And if it falls, he's aware of that. And if he's aware of that, he's got a plan for letting that hair from my head fall. Because he's aware of that. Walking in victory. Guys, as we're closing this series, closing this service, in a few moments... Let's take to heart what we've been hearing all these weeks. Live a life that's plugged in to the source. Day and night, not just a Sunday morning, not just life group day, not just a five-minute devotional, a 24-7. Now I'm talking from experience. When we are connected to the source, we begin to see the favor of God operate when you're connected when you're connected when you're connected not just in action but in heart in spirit he's looking for a relationship he's looking for us to know him because he knows us and that that's when every even every disaster you see god is able to take that one day and use it for his glory that's the advantage we have as christians (laughs) We don't need to have bad days. Yes, we all have the one of bad days, but we can pick ourselves up. Rather than let the oppressor oppress us, we can pick ourselves up and still live in the joy of the Lord. Remember this as I close. Point number two, victory is a choice. From today, when we see each other, we should be seeing each other smiling and rejoicing. How about that? Chris, is that possible? You've heard the word today. I don't know if we used to sing that song in Sunday school. I s- perhaps met. There are no grumpy faces in this Christian life. Did you all sing it in the UK? Or we used to sing it in India? There are, no grump- there are no grumpy faces in this Christian life. Because there's nothing. We sang that song. The reckless love of God. There's nothing that God doesn't want to be with us in And through. There's nothing. And if we're being grumpy because of the circumstances, it's because of the choice we've made not to pick up the box of victory, but to pick up the box of our circumstances and let that get the better of us. And so now, the joy of the Lord is our strength. Not just plastic smiles, real smiles. Real smiles. Listen, no Christian, no Christian... If they're connected to the source. I'm saying this in all honesty. No Christian who's connected to the source. Believes that the devil can defeat them. No Christian. Connected to the source. Believes that the devil. And even the little baby saying amen. Amen. There you go out of the mouth of babes. The Bible says. And so guys. Rooted. Planted, grafted. Rooted, planted, grafted. I'm going to close with just one or two verses, yeah? Just I put, put down this morning. Helen, just give us a few. Just Helen, give us a few keys. The reason we did this series, guys, is because we love the body of Christ God's given us here. And we've been thinking that why should our beautiful people go through cycles of up, down, up, down, up, down through their Christian life. The reason we put the series together because we want you to enjoy this beautiful life that Jesus came to give you. That's why we put the series together. Not because it's a nice sounding title. Because it's a reality. And as we equip and as we empower, we want all our believers not just to enjoy the life, but when people in the world see our Christian, they'll say, what is it that you have? How is it that you're living victoriously? Don't you face the same trials that we face? And you say, yes, I do. Yet in the midst of my trials, I have something and someone inside me that causes me to be more than a conqueror. Because I know my future. I know my destiny. I know with the outcome of even my trial. That in the end, because of my Jesus, it's going to end with good. And so guys, don't just hear it this morning, let it become revelation. Let it become revelation. That if I am connected in intimacy, if I'm connected with a consecrated lifestyle, if I'm connected with saying, Lord, not my will, but yours be done, then we can actually see the abundant life of God manifest. No more cycles of up, down, up, down, up, down. Whatever happens circumstantially, doesn't affect me spiritually. doesn't affect me in my victory. I'm still above. Of course, I put down one or two things. When we are grafted, planted, rooted, our minds get renewed. Our hearts get renewed. Our desires get renewed. And we suddenly begin to think and operate at a whole different level. We begin to think God's thoughts we begin to feel God's feelings. We begin to pursue God's pursuits. And it's amazing when we begin to do that, we get a revelation of who He's made us to be and what He's called us to do. We're not just living then with that verse, give us this day our daily bread. We begin to move to a place where we say, let your kingdom come, let your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. Suddenly we graduate from being baby Christians to being mature sons and daughters in the house of God. That's when we begin to understand our authority. If there's one thing I wanted to close with in terms of the series on living in victory, get a revelation of the authority you possess as a child of God. Authority, very essential. But authority won't come till we are grafted. I I shared a little bit about this at Gateway, Jesus moved in power and authority. Remember that verse? He moved in power and authority. In fact, Luke 4:36, they were all amazed and spoke among themselves, saying, What a word this is! For with authority and power, he commands the unclean spirits and they come out. We have been given power and authority. Luke 9, 1 and 2. Then he called his 12 disciples together and gave them power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases. He sent them to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. Power and authority. Luke ten eighteen and 19, He replied, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. He's given us authority to trample over the power of the enemy. A lot of times we are battling the power of the enemy with the power of God. Now you see, sounds a bit controversial out here. So stay with me. And I always call them the power tools. God's given us a lot of power tools. How many of you know we've got many power tools? The name of Jesus. Power tool. Speak the name of Jesus. Boom! Demons tremble. Worship is a power tool. That's why when we worship, things can happen. Worship, presence of God, power tool. The Word of God, power tool. Prayer, power tool. Fasting, power tool. Faith, power tool. The list is endless. Power tools. Yet sometimes we operate using the power tools. And we can all testify, we've not seen a lot happen sometimes. Till one day the Lord said, you've got to operate in power, power. authority and therefore we need to get a revelation of the authority we carry as children of God that's why the sons of Sceva remember the story seven sons of Sceva they tried to cast out a demon and they said in the name of Jesus that Paul preaches we command you to go did the demons go in fact they got a thrashing because they were trying to use a power tool without standing in the authority that Jesus gave them. It's important to understand we have authority and of course I don't have time to unpack it but that's where the armor of God comes in. The armor of God is a great example of how we can equip ourselves to stand in the authority of God. And then when we speak to the mountains they begin to fall. Power and authority and one of the one of the keys when I talk about the authority maybe we do it at some point the whole concept of what is the authority of Christ is being grafted if I'm not grafted into him I could have a policeman can have the best AK-47 but if he does not have his uniform or his badge on he has no right to use the weapon it's what he is clothed with his identity that gives him the power to use His power tools, We cannot live a willy-nilly life as Psalm verse, that first verse said and expect to see a great move of God. It's only when we are grafted. Relationship. Consecration. Intimacy. 24-7. Day and night. Not my will but yours. I've surrendered to you. That's when you walk, begin to speak power and authority. No devil can touch your home, then. No devil can touch your life because you're standing in power and authority. Let's arise. I'm going to close in prayer. Father, we thank you this morning. Thank you this morning for what you've done for us. You've given us today the capacity, the ability to live a victorious life. Despite our circumstances, despite what we might be going through, yet we are overcomers. Yet when we see with the eyes of the Spirit, we see that even those what may seem like defeated situations you're able to take and produce great testimonies in the days ahead because we are grafted to you into you grafted into you perhaps today over the next couple of weeks reflect over all that we've heard in the next, over the last four sessions may I remind you of erecting an altar Because these are the days God is causing his people to move into glory. We heard that prophetic word earlier this month. The days of glory are coming. The days of glory, the days of glory, the days of glory. And that's why the Lord is preparing his bride now to walk, to operate, to live in that realm of his glory. Where we're going to walk into dead situations, speak the life of God and those dead bones will rise again. These are the days where the church that was perceived as weak and just doing a few activities from time to time is going to move in power and authority, not just on a Sunday morning, but in individuals, in our everyday lifestyle, in our workplaces, in our neighborhoods, in our colleges, in our schools. Kids are going to rise up and operate in the power of God. These are the days that's coming. But that's what He's reminding us. Plug in now, guys. Plug in my people. Get grafted in like never before. Not just the concept that we did when we accepted Jesus, but day and night. Living in His presence. Operating with revelation. Holy Spirit, what are you saying right now? What are you directing me to do at three in the morning? What are you saying right now? I want to be tuned in to you. So I can operate in that victorious lifestyle I can live under favor that I heard my pastor speak about favor with doors open and has no explanation when miracles happen you have no clue how that happened favor of God favor of God different realm raise an altar acknowledge that we need that level change our lifestyle perhaps Make decisions. Trust Him. Have that audacity (laughs) to step out. Audacity. Be bold. Live by revelation. Revelation. Not just on a Sunday morning, 24-7. Feeding on the rhema word of God. Feeding on the voice of the Holy Spirit this morning Father we give ourselves afresh to you each of us a living walking talking dynamis filled child of God one can chase a thousand two can chase ten thousand the the time is coming you'll walk into meetings I said this to our prayer team you'll walk into meetings corporate meetings and you'll say thus said the living God there are these days are coming we're going to operate in a different realm a different realm Not everyday business. The days that come, he's pushing us to operating in a whole different realm. We receive it. It's not our strength, his strength. Let's take a song as we just reflect.